passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Couple quick questions. Uh, how many of you have watched a church service online? Anybody? Okay, that's pretty good. How many of you have watched Crosswinds online? Okay, a number of you. By the way, uh, do you think our tech job does tech booth does a pretty good job with our online service? Yeah, I I think they do a very good job. And there's been a lot of people, so you know, that connect with us. This winter during COVID in February, we would have sometimes 300 computers that made a connection with us on a Sunday. That is a lot of people. Even now, just so you know, we have between 100 to 200 people connecting online each weekend to watch either part of or all of a worship service. A lot of folks out there are on the virtual church, the online church. And if you think those numbers are impressive, you should see what some of the mega churches are doing. Saddleback Church, there are 20,000 people that will connect on a weekend to a place like Saddleback Church. Just amazing. Now, COVID has taken the idea of virtual church, an online church, and moved it to the mainstream. This is not something new for us, but it's new for many churches. Just so you know, we've been doing streaming church for 12 years at this point, if I'm correct. I think uh, we, I checked our archives. We have 1,200 plus videos that we've actually put online that are still there in our archives. A lot of stuff out there. And for us as a church, the idea of virtual church or streaming church has been a very good thing. God has blessed us through it. Uh, there are Sundays in the winter when it's a snowstorm. There are more people watching online than ever make it into the worship center. I know people who are sick who stay at home and stay connected online. Shut-ins who week after week get their iPads out and they watch us online. People who are traveling stay connected and watch online. Then we also have new people. In fact, the most common way that people come in the door here at Crosswinds is they actually take the time to watch a service online before they ever come into the church physically. I even know some people who began with us here during last summer, then with the lockdowns during COVID, and they had to stay home, they couldn't go to church. They went back to the places they lived, in their parts of the country, and they continued to watch us for an entire year online because they could not go to church where they were located. So the virtual church, by the way, is a big thing for us, but it's something that's been exploding all over our nation. There's a huge push for many people to get online, watch church online. And some of the, oh, how would you call it, shakers and movers in Christendom are making a big push for everyone to be at online church. Andy Stanley is probably the, one of the most notable ones in this. When COVID hit, he literally shut down his church for an entire year. That's a mega church. Pushed everybody online. And when he was interviewed at Liberty University, why he did this, this is a quote from him. He says, I keep hearing people say, the Lord commands us to meet. 
the Lord commands us to meet. In other words, to get together. And then he looked in the camera and said, no, he does not. What do you think? Is it true that God does not necessarily want us meeting physically together? Is virtual church just an equal swap for physical church? Andy Stanley and a number of other church leaders are saying right now that the virtual church is the wave of the future. That virtual church will soon become, over a number of years, it'll become the way that most people do church. Remember, Saddleback already has 20,000 a weekend connecting. What do you think about this? He said, well, thank you, John. He's already answering. What I'm going to talk about, and to help John out, is to just inform you this weekend that there is a dark side of virtual church. Now, I recognize there are legitimate reasons that people watch online. I want to affirm those. Can't come to church, sick, traveling. I mentioned a number of those. But what happened is during COVID, watching online began originally as a necessity. But then over time, for many people, it became a matter of convenience. I can stay home, watch pastor and eat my pancakes. I can stay home, eat waffles and watch worship. Just a matter of convenience. Why take the time to get all dressed up and go to church when you can stay home and watch church? Now, I've been thinking about this for quite some time, uh, especially even before COVID. And I ended up with a long list of stuff. I said, what are the problems with the virtual church? And why does God not want us staying home? I had a really long list, and then I made the list shorter, and I got it down to 15 points. So that's the reduced list. So I'm going to go through what are 15 points. And by the way, guys, I may not make it to the end, just out of time constraints. I may have to shorten it. I may get really fast at the end. But these are all really important things that you need to know about why you should not stay home, why together is better, why we need to come to church. So let's go ahead and look at this. Before I dive into biblical points, I just want to give you some practical, one practical point. And here it is. Right in the top of your outline, digital worship is distracted worship. Folks, it is much harder to stay attentive and to pay attention when you're watching something online at home compared to when you actually physically come to church and you can see things in the flesh. An example of that was this past year, Cindy and I decided to go watch the fireworks down in Arnold's Park on July 4th. Go ahead and put that picture up there if you can. Now, we've always heard not to go down there because there are so many people and it's so chaotic. And we're like, Cindy and I, we're like, hey, we can actually do this. It's just us. Let's go see what it's about. And it was quite an experience. And as you can see in that church, it was a sea of people. The entire green space was covered, packed with people. The boats were everywhere. It's like we could have had to worm our way through the crowd to get to the lakeshore. The, the band was loud. I mean, we could really hear the music. Then the fireworks, we were right under them. We could feel the impact of the fireworks on our chest as they went off. It was quite an experience. Folks, I didn't look at my, my phone for a complete hour and a half. I mean, it was so engaging. 
But what happens if we decided that watch that very same thing, staying at home, watching it on our little phones for an hour and a half, the fireworks? How engaged do you think we would have been? How tempted to distraction do you think we would have been? Do you think we would have checked our email? Maybe flipped over to Facebook to see what other people are saying? I mean, constantly. The nature of our phones is we're switching applications. It's not designed for sustained concentration. So that's just the nature of the medium. It's very hard to stay focused when it's digital worship. It takes an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, whatever you have. Folks, we learned that this past year when we looked at online learning. I ran across these statistics. Pretty interesting. Online learning did not go very well. 40% of St. Paul, Minnesota high school students during digital learning have at least one failing grade. 40% of all high school students. You think that's bad? Try Houston, Texas. 40% of their students have two failing classes through digital learning. All students. They're not staying focused at class, are they? When they're watching at home on a computer screen, they're constantly distracted. They can't give their attention. How about this one? Baltimore, Maryland. 41% of all high school students during online learning had a GPA below 1.0. The kids were not able to stay focused. The kids were not able to stay engaged when they're just watching a computer screen at home. If that is what it's like for our students, what do you think it's like for ordinary people like you and me trying to stay focused and engaged at home when you're watching a church service for an hour and 15 minutes? Physical church is much more engaging church. You will get far more out of going to church than staying home and away from church. Next point, the church is the gathering of Christ's body, not the watching of an event. When you think of church, what comes to mind? For my parents' generation, uh, what they thought of when you said church typically was a building. You go to church. Well, the church has to look like a church. It has to have pews. It has to have a steeple because that is the church. The church is a building. Now, I know that was all meant in, in well in a good way, but folks, the church is not a building. And the next generation, what started to happen was the church began to be viewed as an event. And the worship service began to get really high production value and visual value. And they would say, did you laugh when you were at church? Did you have fun with you were at church? It's the event that you watch when you go to church. So people would come in, they would watch church, and then they would leave because they're watching a show. That's what people were in the next generation. And by the way, if that's where you leave it, it's really natural then to just stream the show, put the show online, and get more people going to church because it's an event you watch. Now, folks, church is not a building you go to. The church is not an event you watch. The church is the gathering of God's people. 
people. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. It literally means the assembly. Now, the church may assemble in a building. The church may have an event called worship, but it's us. So by definition, when you have people that choose to stay at home and for no good reason other than convenience to not gather together, they cannot be the church. Because the church is, by definition, the gathering together of God's people for praise, for worship, for edification. So the virtual church, folks, will always fall short of what God intends for us in the physical church. We have to get together. Next thing to mention to you is this. The church, by the way, is to be hearing the word together and singing to Jesus together. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. The church is to be together, and we are to teach, it says, one another the word. Now, many times people think, well, that's what I come for on Sunday morning. So Pastor Kurt or whoever else is up here can teach me the word. That's part of learning the word of God. But we're still to teach one another the word of God. When you're in life group, what do you do? You open the Bible together. And you look at the word of God together. When you're in the halls and you're talking to somebody and they talk to you about life and you say, oh, that reminds me of a verse I read this week. Let me tell it to you. And you teach one another the word of God. How does that happen when you stay home all the time and don't go to church on Sundays? How do you teach one another? You don't. And then it says we are to admonish one another. What that means is that as we do life together, sometimes there's things we see in our brothers' and sisters' lives that just don't seem to make sense, that don't add up. And we have to come around to them and say, hey, you know, I know you're talking about this, but the Word of God says, and you open it. Help, help me understand how, the, how this jives with what's going on in your life. And we admonish one another around the Word of God gently and lovingly. But if you're staying home all the time and there's nobody else in your life, no church family that knows you, who's going to admonish you? Who's going to correct you around the Word of God? Who's going to open the Word of God with you? It's not going to happen. And then I love this one. He says, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together. I loved when Andy was singing that last song because it played in so well to this point. I love when Andy's up here singing and we are singing together with him to Jesus Christ, worshiping Jesus together. And here's what I like what he does. I love when Andy steps back from the microphone and I can hear you. And we can hear one another singing to Jesus together. But I also like when Andy steps back into the microphone because then he encourages me to sing even louder. Right? But we sing together. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Somebody who's watching at home 
Do you think they're actually singing with us? Probably not. As Andy said, I don't like to just hear myself sing. Those in virtual church, I almost guarantee you, are not singing together with us. And they don't have the privilege necessarily of hearing their brothers and sisters in Christ sing with them and encourage them. Together, my folks, my friends, is better. How about this one? Point four. The church is to gather to encourage one another. He says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. I love the writer of Hebrews, is so practical. He says, don't give up meeting together. We need to be together. We need to encourage one another. Because folks, I don't know if you've noticed this, but life can be really hard. Is it just me? Yeah. And isn't it good when a brother or sister in Christ, you can sit there and talk to them, and they can pray with you, and they can encourage you? We need that. About two weeks ago, I was calling a person in Crosswinds, and I'll leave them unnamed. They're going through a difficult time with their parents, um, mothers aging and not doing well. I called. I just want to encourage them. And as often happens when I call you guys, sometimes you end up being more encouraging to me than I'm able to be encouraging to you. And this is what this guy told me. He says, you know, Pastor... I have never experienced so much love and care as I have experienced since I've been part of Crosswinds. As I've been going through this with my other, my mother, there's been people from the church who have been calling us, people from the church that have offered to bring meals over to us. He says, I feel so loved and cared for in this church family. And this is how loved and cared for he felt. He said to me, you know, my wife and I, usually go south for the winter. We're going to go south for the winter, but we're not staying as long because we want to get back to be part of our church. I am so proud of you guys. I am so proud of you. That is exactly what a church family is to do, to encourage one another in the hard times, to divide one another's sorrows, and to multiply one another's joys. Try that at the virtual church where you stay home all by yourself in isolation and just watch an event, watch a show, and have no other brothers or sisters in Christ around you to encourage you and to be with you. Folks, together is what? Better. Together is better. How about this? Number five. The physical gathering of the church allows us to follow the one another commands of the Bible. The Bible is filled with one another commands, instructions on how we as Christians are to treat one another when we gather together as the church. But if the church never physically gathers, if Christians stay home month after month out of convenience, what do you do with these one another commands? How do you obey the one another commands? You can't. Here's an example. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As the Christian church, we are to be humble around one another. We are to be gentle with one another. We are to be patient with one another. Well, if you're going to be patient with one another, that sort of implies that you are actually together with other Christians, doesn't it? And it also implies that maybe the other Christians can at times be a little difficult. Uh, uh, maybe offend you a little bit. Maybe a little bit irritating or relationally difficult. He also says we are to bear with one another in love. That means that when you're together with your brothers and sisters in Christ in the church, you know there are times where a brother or sister of Christ could actually be a little annoying, could maybe get under your skin, to do things that really irritate you. And some people will say, well, that's why I stay home. That's why I watch online. There's no brothers or sisters in Jesus Christ to irritate me, to frustrate me. And you know what I would say to that? Too bad. You know why God puts us together in a church? And you know why God puts us with brothers or sisters in Christ that are different than us? That it takes our patience. And we have to bear with one another in love. You know why he does that? It's to mature us. Learning to be patient with irritating people, learning to love difficult people is a big part of Christian maturity. And that happens in the community of the church. But if you constantly stay home to avoid those irritating people, you will not spiritually mature and learn patience. You will not mature in your love. So those who stay home avoid what is a great opportunity for spiritual maturity. Point six. Joyfully participating in the physical gathering of the church is proof that we actually belong to Christ. It says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I simply want to make this point, that when you are born again, one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit is now dwelling in your heart and life is not just a change of your attitude, not just a change of the way you view Christ, but all of a sudden you have a hunger and a love to be with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. You want to go to church. That's part of the evidence that you are born again. And if you do not want to go to church, but you'd rather just stay home and constantly watch and not ever engage with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're like, are you actually born again? Being born again, you will want to be with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. And by the way, some people will say, well, I like to stay home because when I stay home, I can avoid those people that are different than me. 
and they don't get irritated, and they don't get annoyed, because they don't get challenged. Folks, let me give it to you from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, the first 10 verses, talk about how Jesus reconciles us in our relationship to God. But you go in verses 11 through 20, what you find is Jesus doesn't just reconcile us to God, but he reconciles us in our relationships to one another. Jews and Gentiles, those who were formerly enemies, are now made into one new family who joyfully want to be together in the church. The Jesus that unites us is far bigger than any of the differences that divide us. That's what happens when you're born again. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 16. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace between people. He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, killing the hostility. The picture is that in the church, there are people who are old and there are people who are young. There are people who are rich, and there are people who are poor. There are people who are of black and ethnic, that ethnic strain, and people who are white and of that ethnic strain. And you know what? They're not combating one another. They're joining together with one another in worship to Jesus Christ. That's proof that they've been born again. But like I said, if the church never gathers... Where does that happen? How does it happen? When you're born again, you should joyfully want to be with your brothers and sisters in Jesus. Number seven, the physical gathering of the church is used by God as an evangelistic tool in the world. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Notice this, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you come into the church, there's people of different intellectual levels, there's people of different academic levels, there's people of different life background levels, but there is incredible love that we have for one another because of Jesus Christ. And the world comes into the church and says, what are you guys doing together? What brings you guys together? You're so diverse. I mean, I thought they were all Republicans, but now there's Democrats here too. I thought they were all black, but there's all white here too. What is giving you this love for one another and knitting you together with one another? It's Jesus. But if all you do is stay home in the isolation of your living room, the comfort of your couch, to just watch an event online. That evangelistic light of the gathered church that's filled with diverse people who are all in love with Jesus and love one another because of Jesus does not shine. The world does not see the difference that Jesus makes if the church does not physically gather together. And if you're somebody who's chosen to stay home because of convenience, what you're doing is you're dimming this great evangelistic light of the church in the world. Come to church. Point number eight. 
the physical gathering of the church enables the effective use of our spiritual gifts. If you've been around the church for a while and you know this, that whenever you become a Christian, what God does is he gives each Christian at least one spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are not there for you. They are there that God gives you a gift that enables you to serve others in the church and to help make the church effective. Now, the good news is that when you use your spiritual gifts or gift or gifts, you are effective for the gospel. When you use your spiritual gifts, you experience great joy as God uses you that way. But to use those gifts, don't you need to be around other Christians? Because other Christians need you to use your gifts, and you need to use your gifts. Let's look what this scripture says on these things. Romans chapter 12, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, us, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. However God has gifted you, he's given you a gift to be a blessing to others in the church, to help others grow in Christ, to help others mature in Christ. Other people in the church need you to use your gift, but you also need to use your gift for your own joy and for your own effectiveness for Christ. But if you choose to stay home, isolate yourself on the couch in a living room, not be together with a church family, how do you use your gifts? Where is the joy of using your gifts? It's not there. Folks, together is better. Point nine. This is a little more theologically deep, but I think you guys will handle this quite well. God dwells more intimately in the gathered church than in individual Christians. Let's think of it this way. Level one, by the way, God is everywhere. We sort of got that from Andy's devotional. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I free from your presence? You can go to outer space. Guess what? God is there. You can go to the bottom of the ocean. God is there. But when you look in the scriptures, you come to point two, you find this. God does dwell more intimately in Christians than he does in the sense of being everywhere all at once. John 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The world does not have the spirit of truth dwelling in them. As Christians, we do have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Well, what does that do? The Holy Spirit starts convicting us of sin we have never seen before. He leads us to repentance we have never desired before. He gives us a hunger for reading God's word that we never had before. So you become a Christian, God dwells more intimately in you. But here's where it gets interesting. It's level three. God dwells even more intimately in the gathered church than he does in individual Christians. Remember this verse? 
For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. That when Christians gather, God dwells more intimately with them than when they're scattered. How about this one? And there's, I put, by the way, a number of extra verses you can look at on your own right next to this one in the, in the notes with it. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Well, God is everywhere. In the Old Testament, there was the temple. And the Holy of Holies was the place where God's presence dwelled in the temple. Though technically, God is everywhere. We don't have the temple anymore. But where is the temple now? The temple is the gathering of God's people. It is the church. God dwells most intimately among gathered Christians in the church, even more so than he does among scattered Christians who are not gathered as the church. So my simple point is this. People who choose to content themselves to stay at home, to live in isolation, in the comfort and convenience of the couch, and to watch an event, do not have the blessing of being with God's people in the church when they assemble, which is the place where God's Spirit dwells most powerfully and intimately on earth. You realize that? The place where you experience God most is in the gathering of His people. It's right here. Don't deny yourself that. Folks, together is better. Number 10. God promises to destroy those who destroy the gathering of the church. Do you not know that you, by the way, that's a plural you, are God's temple, same theme again, that God's spirit dwells in you, plural, that is, gathering of the church. If anyone destroys God's temple, the gathering of his church, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you, plural, are that temple. The simple point Paul was making is you as the gathered church are the New Testament version of the temple of God in the Old Testament. And God would not take lightly anyone who destroyed his temple in the Old Testament. God does not take lightly someone who destroys the gathering of God's people in the church in the New Testament. Now that could be because someone is divisive and bickering and trying to divide the church. But it could also be because people say, oh, you don't need to come to church. Just stay home. Just watch from the comfort of your couch. God does not take that lightly. We are to gather. Together is better. A couple quick points. By the way, digital pastoring, issue, you know, is what I call difficult pastoring. The Bible says this about pastors and elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he has obtained with his own blood. As pastors and elders, we have a responsibility before God to care for you, to watch over you, 
to pray for you. I have a prayer list of everyone who's a member and a regular attender of the church, and I try to pray through for you guys. It's my responsibility to do that. But right now, there's 100 to 200 people that are watching online, and I have no idea who they are. I have no way I can pastor them. I have no way I can encourage them. I don't know who you are. Last week after church, a couple came up to me and, and talked to me. They hadn't been at church for a while, and in the conversation, uh, the woman began sharing about how difficult work is and how hard it is right now. They're just having such a hard time getting employees and keeping things open, and you guys know it. You've seen it all around town. People are paying all kinds of money just to get somebody to do basic jobs. And I said, can I pray for you? So I put my hand on her shoulder, and we just spent some time in prayer, just calling out to God for his mercy, asking to give her wisdom, and asking to watch over her and the business. But you know, if she stayed home and just watched online. Who would pray for her? Who would encourage her? Who would watch out for her? And you can't do that. Digital pastoring is difficult pastoring. Together is What? Thank you. You guys are catching on to this. But that's why we have 15 points. I don't, we're up to point 12, and you're finally doing it. What's good? Okay. The, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper were not intended to be virtual and individual. About a few years ago, uh, I got a text on my phone right after I got done with the service, and it was a person who I really appreciate what they said. They said, would you make sure you let us know when you're going to have communion that week because I want to make sure I can get the crackers and the juice out of the refrigerator so I can take communion with you online. And I was like, well, that's good. I, I appreciate that. But as I thought about that, just so you know, people taking communion individually online sort of breaks down part of the picture of communion and what it's hoping to communicate. Look what it says here. 1 Corinthians 10 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. The idea with communion is that Jesus, through his body, has not just restored us in our relationship with God, but he creates a relationship with one another, and that we are his body. Now, Paul says, originally, you should be using one loaf to picture one body that we are all together in. Now, we don't use one loaf for sanitary reasons. We have those little cups and all that kind of stuff, but at least we are taking it together, right? That's the way it should be. And when you put people in isolation, alone, in their living rooms and on their couches, some of that symbolism breaks down, doesn't it? Because there's nobody you're taking the Lord's Supper with. The same thing with baptism. Ideally, baptism should be celebrated with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you make a public proclamation of your faith in Christ. But if you are at home and you're just watching online and you've trusted in Jesus, how do you get baptized? What's the difference between your personal private baptism service in the shower? The bar of soap. I mean, that's the only difference. It's meant to be a corporate thing, not a private thing. Together, my friends, is better. Let me just flip to the back, and I think I'm actually going to make it with time. We're good. Church discipline, by the way, is almost impossible virtually. 
when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Well, what's going on in this context? You have a guy in the church of Corinth who apparently is now sexually involved with his mother-in-law. Ugh. Kinky, weird. And Paul is like, ugh. You guys cannot tolerate this. It's going to spread sin in the church. You have to address this. In fact, at this point, you need to excommunicate him from the fellowship. Folks, remember the old song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the Lord I love? Don't we all have a tendency to want to wander into sin? Sometimes we wander really far from Jesus. But the good part of the body of Christ is when we start to wonder, brothers and sisters in Christ see us, they know us, they come up to us and say, hey, what's going on? Let me encourage you. This isn't right. I want to call you to repentance. Our brothers and sisters in Christ help us follow Jesus straight. And sometimes, if we're unrepentant, our brothers and sisters in Christ do have the right to literally excommunicate us from the church out of love to communicate to us, hey, what you're doing is seriously, it's deadly. You can't go there. But if people stay home in complete isolation by themselves, when they start to wander into sin, where is the body of Christ around them that knows them, that can perform some kind of loving caring church discipline for them to help them get back on track. It's not there. Together is better. Last point. Developing and affirming elders is almost impossible, by the way, virtually. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Well, that's just not biblical qualifications. That's relational qualifications. If people stay home, all the time, how would you know who's qualified to be an elder? How would you raise up elders? Where would the next generation of leaders even come from? Folks, if people insist on staying home and doing church just virtually, it will lead to the extinction of the church as we know it because you won't have the next generation of leaders raised up to take the church. So there's one big message in all these points I have for you, and it's this. Together is better. It's what I said right in the top here, takeaways. While God is using the virtual church in many good ways, it cannot replace the physical church. If you're watching at home, and the reason you're watching at home is because of convenience and comfort, I urge you, repent Come back to church. You need to be part of the body. You need it for your own spiritual health. You need it for your spiritual life. And we need you. Second challenge is this. You guys know that there is a big push to get all kinds of people connected to the virtual church. And in many places, they're almost telling you to disconnect from the physical church and just watch it online. 
Keep this message in your Bible. Keep it someplace handy. You will need to communicate to brothers and sisters in Christ that it is not God's plan for them perpetually to watch at home in isolation. Together is better. They need to come to the physical gathering of the body. And lastly is this. Commit to being a regular part of your church family. A regular part of your church because that's God's plan for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, a lot of stuff in your word on the idea of us needing one another, us being gifted to serve one another, us needing to teach one another and to admonish one another and to sing together with one another. We need one another just like we need you. I pray here at Crosswinds, while we embrace the virtual church for many of the good things that it does offer, may we never allow it to replace the physical gathering of your body in our lives. Because that is truly your plan. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us. And may God continue to enrich your life.